Hey everybody, Chris Avery with you on a new episode of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, Chargers radio analyst Daniel Jeremiah joins me from day two of Team Minicamp. But first, my conversation with General Manager Tom Telesco. Now Tom's going to be taking fan questions, a wide variety of fan questions on Thursday. Think of this conversation as a 15-minute primer to that. Tom, I always appreciate the time. How are you, sir? Doing great, thanks. Minicamp... How has it changed over the years for you? We got NFL Network out here. It seems like it's a uh, an appetizer for what's to come in late July. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge appetite for football even when you're in the month of June. Um, but it was it was uh, it was funny today. We had I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but we had the NFL Network here live for like three hours, um, and this was probably our best practice uh, maybe of of OTAs. It was great. Was work it really? Today. Yeah, it was great work. Uh, both sides of the ball, offense and defense, very competitive, great tempo. Um, a lot of guys making a lot of plays. It was a really, really good day. Um, is it because we had a little action out here today? I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe because the cameras are out. I don't know. But uh, it was great. Like we, we need practices like this today. This is how you become a better football team, and we got better today because it was just great work between both groups. Phillips said it's always good going against this defense, and you never want it to be lopsided, right? You want the offense to get some plays right. and the defense to get some plays. So to have that type of energy, to see both sides of the football making plays, has to be a positive sign going into the summer break. Yeah, and this is the time of year you can experiment with a lot of different things, offensively and defensively, and see what works. And this is the time to do it um, before you put the pads on, before you're in training camp, before you're getting into game planning. So this offseason program, you can use some players in different spots. You can look at some different schemes, offense and defense-wise, some different plays, some different coverages, and see how they work. Um, and this is the time you can experiment with that stuff in, during the offseason program. Now you got some of these young guys, uh, the importance of – Again, the rookies, they, a lot was thrown at those guys. You, you get drafted, you come to a new city, you, you're trying to learn the playbook, and then you're trying to implement what you learn onto the football field. Have you seen tangible progress from some of these guys from the time they walked into the building into the time they're about to leave? Uh, it's slow progress this time of year. It just is, and then it will pick up in training camp. But, yes, yeah, so a lot is thrown at them this time of the year and uh their heads are spinning it's it's just it's a lot for them you know it's a new environment new coaching staff new schemes new language new places to live i mean there's a lot of new things going on for the players so it takes for the young players um so it takes time and this is this is why you try not to make evaluations of young players based off off-season practices or, or mini camps because a lot of them are still learning what to do and you can't play fast and play confident if you don't know what to do yet and a lot of them just don't i mean they're yeah. studying they're working but it takes time it takes repetition so once we get to training camp that's when you can start doing a little bit more evaluation. Um, they've had some time to learn it. Obviously, they don't know it as well as they will next year at this time, but that's when you can start seeing some guys, um, if they can cut it or not. Um, but a lot of this time of the year is learning, and then training camp, it's about competition and you know the physicality of it. But that said, if these guys do show some flashes, you know, it, it's a nice time to do it, to, to leave a, a favorable impression as you go into late July. You know, maybe you make a play that they picked up on something that they learned in the defensive room, you know, just to uh, have a little bit of momentum going into the summer. Yeah, and the, the one player, he's not a young player per se, but Rayshon Jenkins, seeing him play the free safety position this year as opposed to last year has been a big difference. And that's a lot of it is just from the learning and the comfort factor of playing that position and seeing more. And he made some plays out here. He made one yesterday. He's made a lot actually through OTAs. Um, so, yeah, you see the players flash here or there. Um, but what will come with the learning is the consistency part of it. 
you know, flashes are great, um, but we need more than flashes. We need a consistent player from, from everyone at every position. So, um, but the flashes show you that it's there. Now it's just about trying to make the consistent part of it work. Can you explain for the fans, Tom, just the difference between OTAs and how it ramps up for mini camp? Um, obviously, everybody's here. You got both Melvins back in the mix. But how is it different from the 10 OTA practices versus you know these three days that we're in the middle of? Uh, there is no difference. <laughs> Not at all, huh? None. No, it's none. It just uh, it changes the name from mandatory mini camp to OTA practice. Same tempo of practice, same setup of practice. Yeah, there's not a whole lot different at all. Just NFL Network Ter- here. That's ter- it. <laughs> terrible answer for you, huh? No, it's yeah. It, but it, I think it's important because when when you hear mini camp, you hear OTAs, you wonder, okay, what's the difference? Is this like, is this something where it's a little bit more intensive? Uh, it's more just everybody's nope, here, nope. right? Same same tempo and. Uh, you know, same structure of practice, and now there's really no difference to it at all. When I talked, it's hard to believe, Tom, that we, we talked a couple of days after, even Daniel Jeremiah was like, he hadn't been here since the Patriots game. Um, it's just, it's hard for me to believe that that was the last time you and I spoke in this office. But you had an interesting parallel, I think it was the 2002 Colts, how they went into New York they got beat pretty badly mm-hmm. and kind of used that to, to kind of galvanize themselves over the next several years. You know, this team, a lot of guys return, and a lot of them have a, you know, a bitter taste in their mouth. Have you sensed the just building off of last year and maybe those two playoff games, how that experience will help a majority of these guys going into 2019? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want anybody here to forget that last game of the year. I mean, yeah, you do want to flush last year out and get on to next year, but you know, I don't want to forget what happened at the end of the year. And if, if some people around here forget about it, I'll, believe me, I'll, I'll remind them. Yep. Um, because that's how we have to get better. We have to see what went wrong last year, and we have to fix it. And part of that, like you said, that loss, I mean, that has to drive you for the next season. The wins and losses, they don't carry over, but the culture does. And like I said, you can really take what happened in that game and and drive and fuel you for your next season. And that's what we have to do. So, um, you know, we can say let's let's put last year behind us with the 12 wins. And, yes, we do, but we're not going to forget about how it ended either. So, um and that's what we have to get back to. And we start at the bottom of the mountain and move our way back up again. It's again, it's just one day at a time. Um, you know, we can't play the playoff game, replay that playoff game in September. Uh, we have to make the playoffs first, and and need to win the division number one. So, but uh, no, you, you don't forget that, and that has to you know be in the back of our minds and just push us through this offseason, push us through training camp, and on to week one. It's a lot of level-headedness here, though. You know, Philip even talked. Even the chemistry that doesn't carry over necessarily from January to where we are now. A lot of the same guys, but you still need to kind of recreate that chemistry, recreate that magic. Yeah, every team's different. Yeah, and you don't have the exact same 53 players in your locker room this year as we had last year. So uh, we do have a core, and there still is a chemistry amongst that core, and there's the, the culture that that Anthony has instilled here, and that's here. But as far as the whole play, all the players and the locker room, that chemistry it starts to build in OTAs. That's one probably one of the most important parts of OTAs is just the guys being together, practicing together, being in a locker room, and starting to starting to getting that uh, camaraderie again because every year is different. Um, everybody's a year older. We have some new players. Some players aren't here anymore, so you do have to start from scratch. And it's not hard to see the the theme of even this draft class and going back to the last two here in Los Angeles, there's the character of these guys, man. I mean, to talk to Drew Tranquil, who's 23 years old, he's, he's like he's 33 years old. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable to 
talk to him and know everything that he went through over the last month in terms of life changes. And then you bring in a guy like Tyrod Taylor, who's been there, done that, um, a mature guy, a leader, even in that quarterback's room behind Phillip, Thomas Davis. I mean, people said this has been a seamless transition for Thomas. Like he's like he's been here for, for years. Um, so to add to the locker room with guys like that, it, it just has to help kind of recreate that, that chemistry even quicker. Yeah, I mean – Anthony has a culture that he has here, but we need the right players to, to grow in that. And, and those guys you just mentioned, they, they have that. Um, and that is a big part of team building is the intangible part of it that you can't really put a grade on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the character part is big. And the character could mean so many different things from how you prepare to play to your passion to play to your work ethic. It's to a broad determination, term. Right? Dry. Yeah, the broad term could mean a lot of different things. But... Usually know it when you see it, but it, it ta- there's a lot that goes into it, and that's part of being a professional player, and it's part of the culture we want here. That you know, when the adversity hits, when it gets real tough, we need the guys to to not go south on us, and the, usually the high character guys can hang in. You know, when you go 0 and 4 to start a season, um, it'd be very easy for some guys just just to uh, kind of give up the ship on you. And we have a group here that two years ago didn't do that, and. Uh, you know, you can have all the talent in the world. You got to be able to have some character with it. So, um, yeah, whether it's draft, free agency, whatever it is, you know, the character part is just as important as the talent part. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to have 53 guys that are all perfect. I mean, none of us are um, coaching front office players. I mean, everyone's going to make mistakes from time to time and learn from them. Um, but as long as they have the right makeup as far as how they want to play this game, how they approach the game, um, how they treat people on and off the field, that's what we're looking for. These veterans specifically, um, I just talked to a, a young undrafted free agent out there today who said that, you know, he's talked to his buddies around the league and at other teams, the vets aren't helping the way that the vets are helping here. And uh, countless stories of the last two months of the the elder statesmen on this team or guys who have been here even for two, three years, helping the younger guys along because you look at the impact that the 2018 rookie class had during the season, especially late, whether it was Dietrich Newsom, Justin Jackson, it was Nuosu in that Baltimore game, Derwin James really all season long, Justin Jones, Kaiser White starting the first three games. They're going to be relied upon at some point in 2019, and it's the vets almost take it upon themselves to say, hey, we got to get you ready for what's going to be a season where we have high expectations. Yeah, one of the most important things Anthony talks about is being selfless, and part of being selfless as a football player is being a great teammate and helping out the young players. Even though this is a competitive business, everybody that's coming in is trying to come in to win a job, but there's a team aspect to it too, and, and we have a group of guys that, that do fall into that, that they're very uh, very selfless as far as helping out the young guys, and 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 you know you need to hold everybody accountable on your football team, but you have to hold the veterans even a little bit more accountable actually than the younger guys because you want the younger guys to see the right way to do things. Standard, yeah. Yep, set the standard, set a high bar, and... The rookies will mimic what they see. So we want to make sure our veterans are doing things the way they're supposed to. And we have a group that does do that, and it starts with the head coach all the way down. Um, but, you know, if you want to win and win big and you want to go from good to great, you know, one of those things you're going to have to be is selfless. You're going to have to be a team player. It can't all be about you. It can't be about your stats, your play time. It's got to be what's best for the team. And uh, that's the way we try and build it here. You know, it's on one of uh, the underrated – probably ingredients to a championship caliber team is the coaching staff and the ability to retain pretty much all the coaches, save for a few, to have 
Wiz and Gus and Coach Lynn and all these position coaches back. How much does the transition from 2018 to 2019, how much easier does it make it to have a lot of the same faces in the building, players are familiar with them, and uh, not much changes in that regard? Yeah, as long as they're the right people, it's absolutely the right thing yeah. to do. And, and they've har- proven to be the right yes, people. Yes, and it's hard to do this day and age, but you know, a lot of that is because of Dean Spanos, John Spanos. They give us the resources. They keep these guys here. Um, so that's a big, big part of it. I mean, it's a competitive league. There's no salary cap on coaches. So, um, they put a heavy investment in the coaching staff and we think it's important and we think we have the right guys. And, um, I love this group of coaches. They're, they're great to work with. They're good talent evaluators, but they're great teachers and communicators and they work with people well. Um, we all have opinions in this business and you're supposed to, and you're supposed to have really good convictions, but you know, any any, any uh, discussions, even if you want to call them arguments, they're always done the right way. And uh, that's why I love this group of coaches. They're competitive, but they but uh, they treat each other very well, respectful, um, can really teach. And that's what you have to have. You, you know, these players are coming in from college. It's a pretty big jump for them, and it's a lot of it's going to have to be teaching. Yeah. And uh, our coaches, coaches are teachers. I mean, they spend more of their day downstairs in a meeting room uh, with players lined up with their notebooks and pens and, um, you know, a screen, and, and they're teaching like a teacher would on, on, uh, in a school. Um, it's only two hours on a practice field. The rest of it's in classrooms. So uh, we have a group of coaches that work well together, respect each other, and, and teach their butts off with these guys. I almost swore, but I didn't do it. Hey, um, I can I can bleep it out here. Yeah, though. but uh, it's a family podcast, yeah, though, Tom. And 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 the head coach coaches the coaches too. Anthony coaches the coaches, and he tells them exactly what he wants from each position, each position group. And uh, we've seen players here develop. And uh, you know, for a general manager, you can't ask for anything more than that because the players we bring in, that's just the first step. The second step is we have to really develop them, see what they do well, what they don't do, don't do well, kind of tailor different things we do to them but then develop the weaknesses. And, and we've got a coaching staff at all different positions that have developed a lot of players um, you know, that weren't first-round draft picks but developed them into really good football players. Yeah, I mean, you got you have undrafted free agents in the secondary from Adrian Phillips to Mike Davis to Trevor Williams. And, you know, sometimes we look year-to-year free agency. You bring in Thomas Davis, you bring in Tyrod Taylor, but you, you forget that Hunter Henry's coming back. Um, you know, Travis Benjamin fully healthy uh, to have him in that wide receiving core. Kaiser White, uh, we forget the impact that he had early on in the season. So it's not just the guys that, that you bring in via free agency. It's the guys who have been in the program that can make that leap from year one to year two. Yeah, the, the, uh, if there was a positive with some players being injured last year, other players had to step up and play and get some time. So um, luckily we didn't have – our injuries weren't too bad last year except for the linebacker position. We got hit pretty hard. But, yeah, I mean – Part of this football team, as you build it for next year, yeah, we added some draft picks. We added some some free agents, but yeah, we have a group of players that didn't play a whole lot last year. I mean, really, including Joey Bosa. Joey only got half the season last year, so you got those guys all back and healthy and and ready to go, and you know, makes you a stronger football team. Tom, on a pub, something that you're doing tomorrow, you're gonna ask or you're gonna answer some questions. A special fan mailbag on Thursday. So if you have a question for Tom, use the hashtag AskTomT on Twitter. You go to Chargers.com now, submit your question. If you're listening to this late, we're going to have the chat on, on Chargers.com. Um, this is something you like to do with the fans. You answer questions from a helmet in February at the Combine. Uh, you got some interesting questions. Actually, it was funny because I think 
didn't you answer one from like Adam from New York and Adam Schefter walked by? You're walking by. Yeah, that, that was pretty good right there. <laughs> that was good. I mean, how about that was perfect timing? It was I don't, I don't know timing. if digital media set that up like that or not. No, it, I promise. It was, that was that was just by happenstance. Yeah. That was hilarious. But no, I think it's 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 great to be able to answer questions directly from the fans with with no no middle middle person. I mean, I know I know Ricky Henny has his mail bag. Ricky does a great job with it, but we're gonna cut the middleman out. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'm just gonna answer the question straight, straight to up. the source. Yeah. Straight, you know, straight, straight for me, and I'll get through as many as, as I can, and um, you know, maybe we'll make it a regular feature or get you know get Anthony involved. Have Anthony do some of this Let's too. Go. Some Tuesdays point. with Tom. I'm, he, I already got a name for it. I don't think Anthony even knows I just volunteered him for this, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 hard. You know, I'm not. I guess I could get on social media and try and answer questions directly from fans, but that may get a little sticky sometimes. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter's a, a different animal, Tom. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I like the way you're doing it here, so though. We're going we're to start with the mailbag this way, and we'll, we'll go one step at a time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I appreciate you taking the time, as always. You're always gracious with your time. And, and fans, if you're listening to this tonight or Thursday morning, get your questions in. If you got to this late, you can uh, see the wrap-up of Tom answering questions on Chargers.com. Tom, appreciate the time. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, welcome back to Chargers Weekly here at Chargers Minicamp at Hogue Performance Center with an old friend I haven't seen in a while. Daniel Jeremiah joins me. DJ, what's up, buddy? Uh, it's good to see you, man. It's great to be back here, not only to, to see friends and, uh, and my Chargers family, yes. but uh, to get out here and, uh, on a beautiful day and watch this team get on the grass. It'd be fun. Well, dude, you did a heck of a job with the draft. I know that was a grind. What was that process like for you to, to finish up Chargers football and go straight into it? Well, it was it was look, it's it's a lot of tape watching, but there's nothing I enjoy more than that. So it was fun to get a chance to, to dig in and study those players and uh, uh, really I thought it was Nashville did a great job, you know, putting on the draft. It looked like it. Looking forward to going back there with the Chargers this year. So I found a couple of restaurants for us. I've scouted them out, so Is we should October? be good to go. October twenty. Yeah, I think it's mid October. Yeah. Okay. So a beautiful time to get out there. They did a wonderful job hosting it, and uh, that was a fun draft. So now it's it's fun to come out here and see some of these guys that we've talked about, see them get on the field, and, and see how they make that transition. You know what was cool is I, I co-hosted our draft party with Ashley Brewer at the Santa Monica Pier. Yeah. watching looked you on really the cool. Screen. Man, I tell you, it was thousands of Chargers fans lined up around the Santa Monica Pier. It was an awesome sight. We had a bunch of players there and there was a lot of excitement around. You know what was cool about it is that the Chargers had to pick at 28. So everybody was there, engaged the entire time. And then they picked Jerry Tillery. Yeah. Um, let's just get into the, the rookies before we get into the team overall. What did you think of the first round pick, Jerry? Well, look, you, you one of the toughest things to find is interior pass rush. And this year, because of the, the sheer depth at the position, I thought that was good value where they were able to get him. Um, I also think, look, if, if Tillery's shoulder is healthy and he plays through the whole year and we see you know, the guy that we saw in that Stanford game throughout the season as yeah. a healthy football player, he wouldn't have been there when they picked. So I thought they got a little bit of a value there. Somebody coming off of, a, of an injury should be full speed. But, again, when you can find somebody that can rush inside, knowing what you have on campus already to rush outside, it's going to be a beautiful compliment. Clark Lee, his defensive coordinator, said there's something to be said about playing through the pain because he, he was playing through that injury. I yep. think he even played against Clemson in that game when maybe he, came he didn't back have that, yeah. to, to come, to come back and, and to play. So to play through that, the, the toughness you saw last year. Uh, and then even guys on campus, like you said, Justin Jones making that leap from year one to year two. Um, and then having Bosa and Ingram on the edge, I mean, that speaks for itself. Yeah, no question. And you've got Nwosu. You can move around to a lot Nwosu of different too. things with him. Um, it's going to be fun to watch what Gus Bradley does and how he deploys these guys because – 
you've got some versatile players and and really all those guys we've talked about can line up at multiple positions so uh, you're gonna have some flexibility and also you're gonna have a little bit of uh, of roster depth because you can absorb an injury because you've got versatile players that can slide and move around one of the many lines that you had during the draft one of my favorites because it pertained to the charges was if you were to go into a lab and, and find the perfect compliment to Derwin James, you'd find it in Azir Adderley. Uh, to get him in the second round to solidify that secondary that already has a host of pro bowlers and all pros, uh, what do you think Nas is going to bring to this team? Well, I, I really do believe that um, he's he's just ideally suited to play next to somebody. Look, everybody would love to play next to Derwin James. You're talking about the best young safety in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. Um but having somebody that can play high and, and do it successfully and, and have the range and the ball skills and the awareness that he has, and also the ability to be able to get guys down in space and tackle some of the athletes you're going to see inside this division, um, I think he's just a perfect mix there. And, and also, you know, look, if for some reason you have an injury at the corner position, if, if Desmond had to bump out, you could drop Nas down and he'd cover in the slot. So he has that versatility again. I think that's kind of a theme for this defense, a lot of interchangeable parts and and you look at him as a player and then also what you hear about him character-wise, intelligence-wise, I think he's going to be a perfect fit with Coach Miles there in the back end. Yeah, he's an impressive kid. And a lot of impressive kids here. We were actually joking. It's like Notre Dame West here, <laughs> South Bend and Southern California. Yeah, Nuoso needs a little help, huh? The USC, he's all, <laughs> he's, he might be all by himself. Yeah, he's uh, he's going to get ganged up on in this defense. But you bring in a guy like Drew Tranquil. Um, mm-hmm. And then even Emeka uh, Egbule from, yeah. from Houston, linebacker. Obviously, was decimated by injury. You bring in two young guys, you get Denzel Perryman back, get Jatavis Brown back, yeah. and then also Thomas Davis comes in the mix. Yeah. So, so what was Kaiser White? Kaiser White, yeah, who was a starter for yeah. the first three games of the year. So, what was a, a perceived weakness at the end of the year becomes almost a strength in many ways. Yeah, and I had a chance to uh, to talk with Tom uh, Telesco on on the Move Six podcast, and I know which we I highly recommend. I, I listened to it on the way in here. I knew you were coming in, and I hadn't had a chance yeah. to listen to it. It was great. No, he he was great, and I thought he he did a beautiful job of explaining explaining um, you know kind of the connection if you're looking for a theme or what the Chargers look for at a position you can find the connection between college safeties turned NFL linebackers and you know Drew Tran- Drew Tranquil actually made that transition at Notre Dame but began as a safety dropped down to a linebacker Thomas Davis was a college safety moved to linebacker Kaiser White college safety moved to linebacker yep. so you've got to be able to run uh, to play in this defense at that position and I think when you look at this group now they can you know hopefully the injury bug doesn't hit him like it did last year but now you've really built up some roster depth to the point where you wouldn't have to enter a playoff game with with all dbs and no linebackers out there on the field yeah gus did a heck of a job that baltimore game but at some point he was going to catch up to you right uh kaiser is just another example of of guys that you know we look at free agency and and you can say hey the chargers weren't too active in free agency bringing in just davis and and tyrod taylor which i think is a is a great addition behind phillip but you forget about some of the guys who were still on this roster who can make an impact. Kaiser White, certainly one of them. Absolutely. Hunter Henry, another. You know, a big to, one. To, get, to have Hunter come into the mix, a healthy Travis Benjamin, kind of offsets the loss of Tyrell Williams. Tyrell was a, was a great player, a deep threat, deserved the money he got from, from Oakland. But um, to get Hunter back uh, adds another dimension to the O. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it. I'm going to ask you a question now because you've been watching this team. I'm curious to see how Artavis has looked because that's a name that mm-hmm. people completely forgot about who was having a fantastic camp last year. Tavis got out of Clemson, and then uh, for him to get injured and miss the season, now it looks like he's back on the field. How's he look? Yeah, well, well Coach complimented him during OTAs. Uh, just to have him back, especially after those three guys, right? We, we talk about Mike Williams, talk about Keenan Allen, obviously, Travis Benjamin. 
Jeremy Davis, Dylan Cantrell. Um, Artavis Scott is certainly in that mix, and I know he feels like he's back to what he was in training camp last year because I, I feel like it was almost every other day we talked He was making about a push. Yeah. He, was, he was making plays. So uh, Artavis w- was proven in OTAs, and we'll see if he continues it here uh, during minicamp. But I, I think there's a lot of opportunities to be had. I, you know, I throw Jeremy Davis into the mix too because he said, talked to him last week, he said, with Tyrell gone, like, I was always ready, but now I know that the reality is there's there, an urgency there, there, there now. There's urgency yeah. and there are opportunities to be had. So even when you lose some guys, um, I think this wide receiver core is still going to be okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think also you look at the um, the ability for them to run out there with, uh, with two tight ends is going to be something we're going to see a lot of yeah. because there's some good depth there and with Hunter back. And, and Virgil, Virgil's got some juice in the red yeah, zone. Yeah, no you know? doubt. He and and, and, and he's, gonna, he's, got, he's reliable. If nothing else, he's very reliable, and you get some physicality with him uh, in the run game. So they're going to be able to go and, and do a lot of different things personnel grouping-wise to, uh, to, to find the advantage they need that particular week. You talked about this with Tom, DJ. Just there's a lot of stars on this team. There's no there two ways around. You got you got Gordon, you got Phillip, you got Keenan. Um, even these guys who didn't make the Pro Bowl, there's some guys that are on the precipice of becoming very good players early in their career. And I, I look at Mike Williams, just looking at him yesterday, man, he's a freak. Yeah, he's he, a freak. He, he's a he's a big dude. Eleven total touchdowns last year. I, I really think that. We, we talk about the, the, the leap from year one to year two. I think for Mike, the leap to year two to year three, I mean, he could really solidify himself as an elite wide receiver. Well, no doubt. And you look at, you know, the injury situation his first year. So last year, really more of a rookie yeah. season. It's like him. a red shirt. No doubt. So I think you are going to see that uh, just from a comfort standpoint, getting on the same page. I thought him and Phillip really connected. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm anxious to see what, what Wiz does with him, even carrying the ball a little bit this year. We saw him sprinkle we that in KC. And we see it. You watch the Kansas City Chiefs play. You see that speed shovel with, with Tyreek Hill. And uh, we've seen it with Tavon Austin. Um, you see it with Robert Woods. The Rams do a bunch of that stuff. But normally we see the, the receivers carrying the ball. It's, it's usually a smaller receiver, quicker, um, and just get the ball in their hands, make people miss. It's an interesting element when you do that with a guy like Mike, who's so big and strong and powerful, and if you can get him to the perimeter with the ball in his hands, that's a load to bring down. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things they can explore with him with his skill set. It's going to be fun to watch. He, he proved it last year. And, you know, Coach Lynn, in talking about Travis Benjamin, he was hurt for a majority of the year, and, and Coach Lynn said, hey, we didn't really need him last year because of the depth we had at wide receiver. Tyrell could get vertical so yeah. he, he was able to pick up some of that slack. But that speed was on display yesterday. I, I saw Travis Benjamin just burning down the field. If you have him at 100%, that just stretches the field and, and he's the type of player too, DJ. He's he's selfless. He's like, if, if I can get down the field and open up Hunter, opportunities yeah. for Hunter and, and Mike Williams and Keenan, then I'm doing my job. No doubt. And uh, you got to have somebody to, to fill that role. If you find an offense that doesn't have a field stretcher, I equate it to basically you're playing half-court basketball. You know, you want to be able to get some spacing and create some room, and uh, and that's something that Travis has been able to do. Whenever he's been healthy, he can definitely do that. And not just on vertical routes. You can hit him on those deep over routes. Um, Phillip likes to throw that ball as well. So um, it puts a stress and a strain on the defense, and, and also not only an impact of tight ends and Keenan and Mike, it's going to help your running game. Yeah. Just be able to, to, to scare a safety out of there. Yeah, You have unique perspective with – the AFC West, especially coming off the draft and, and how these teams improved. We know wins and losses don't carry over. 12-4 is not going to carry over to 2019 yeah. if you're the Chargers. Uh, how would you assess what the Broncos, the Raiders, the, the Chiefs did in the division, um, especially in the draft, some of these some of these young guys? 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shapes up. I mean, I think you can, you know, just with the amount of draft capital they had, you could say Oakland made the biggest move in the offseason. Now, they had a long way to travel. Um, not a good football team last year. But they've got more dynamic, um, not only in free agency and, and the veteran uh acquisition mode when you go get an Antonio Brown but get a Josh Jacobs there at running back um, they've done some things to kind of spice up that offense get Derek Carr going and then um, you look around the division Kansas City you know obviously they made the trade for Frank Clark I think it's an upgrade over D4 D4 is a good player Frank Clark um, to me he's one of the top four or five guys in the league getting after the quarterback and he's still young so I think that impact will be felt um, and we'll see you know I thought they were more of a veteran team the sounds natural of minicamp. Natural sound. Natural sound. This I like is actually, that. This may show well for the pod. I like that. I like that. You know, <laughs> this podcast brought to you by – no, I won't. I, won't the, <laughs> I, can't, I can't see the name of the, of the label. Um, no, but – and then you look at, at Denver. Again, I mean, I, you can look at what they did in the draft and uh, getting a, a very athletic tight end out of Iowa, no offense, but that team's going to sink or swim based off of, of what happens with Joe Flacco. And I, I don't anticipate we'll see Drew Locke early in the season, but if things don't go well – um, you know, get to the midpoint of the season, and that'll determine. They'll have to determine which way they're headed, and whether or not we're going to see the young quarterback. DJ, this may be our cue to maybe this might be it. to maybe shut it down. What was the last time you were here, though? I'm trying to remember. Was it like February? Was it the January? last time I was here? Was the week of the Patriots game? Wow, it's going to feel good to be back. It does. It's and, and the, the the field looks great. Everybody's smiling and happy, and and like we, we say around the league right now, everybody's undefeated. Everybody's undefeated. I'm sure you miss throwing pillows on my my airplane seat too. That's right? coming. That's by coming, the way, that's an annual coming tradition. in August. That's not a one time thing. No. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. See you, bud. All right, that's going to do it. My thanks to Daniel Jeremiah and Tom Telesco for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. If you like what you hear this offseason, we'd love it if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Have a great weekend, and until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.